What's up? Welcome to Office Hours, episode 20. I am David Patino. I'm Ashton Staniszewski. And let's just take a minute to talk about episode 20. That's like a milestone. 20, right? Yeah, that's that's big. I guess Office Hours is the official podcast of 20 episodes in my pocket. That was a total cop out and you know it. (laughs) It's my first time. I got to ease into this. It's going to take me a few months to get my groove on. You yeah, know, a, I, let you, I let you do this for a year. Yeah, there's a flow to it. And I, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I still don't have that right. So, yeah, I've watched you botched many openings. <laughs> so many openings just <laughs> in, in the garbage can. I, if you were to look through the Pro Tools garbage can, you would find so many crap takes. Yeah, but that's OK. That's why we do this ahead of time and then edit it and then put it out. So we look like geniuses. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> People are listening. I'm going like, yeah, but you still sound weird when you put the episode out which means that we're not doing a good enough job yeah that's fine it's all good it's part of our charm but welcome we um we decided to uh take a quick like summer late summer break and so we stopped for uh three and a half weeks so in case anybody noticed that we were gone we weren't doing anything in particular life just got busy and we thought hey let's take a little break and then we'll catch back up in september after all the kids go back to school even though we don't have kids that's kind of the magic of um you know being a working photographer, you know, life will, life will get away from you. <laughs> See? <laughs> and now no, it all, was, all the it was pumpkin good. spice things are coming back and maybe gross. it's time for us to kind of roll out of the bed and do the same. Gross. Yeah, gross. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't be those people. <laughs> but yeah, so I think uh, easing back into it, um, 20 episodes, that's a lot, man. And so I think what we're going to do today is talk about gear finally. Wow. It finally happened. Yeah. Yeah. We, we'll we, see how this we goes. historically set out to not talk about gear. And uh, wow, we've come full circle. So here it is. This is it. Once once a year, we're going to talk, have an episode where we just discuss all the shit that we've touched in the last, uh, you know, 12 months and, and and give you all of the knowledge that we don't have on it. So if you're a gearhead, this one, <laughs> is, uh, this, one's for, this one goes to you. Yeah, this one's definitely for you. To avoid confusion, this one's for you. It's... A- <laughs> And you have the list, right? You have a giant master list of stuff Kinda. that you're going to just I, yeah, throw I've, out I've, there. Um, so here are the rules on our uh, non-gear review review um, bonanza. We're, we're going to talk about every camera we've touched in the past 12 months um, in any capacity at all. And uh, yeah, um, so I'll start. Let's, I'm just going to name a camera and we'll just start talking about how about that. Let's do it. I let's feel like it. that's fair because there's a little bit of overlap here. Um, all right. So uh, let's start with the uh, the old Canon camp. Mm-hmm. Why not? Um, 5D4. Canon 5D4. The staple of many, many photographer um, of many industry. Yeah. I've got one. Yeah. See, David Patino has one. So that means it's legit. I just um, used I've, it the other day. <laughs> I've touched one a handful of times over the past year for various jobs uh, it's better than the 5D3, even more so better than the 5D2. It's about as expensive as um, other things. It's what a camera should cost. Yeah, as far I, as I'm I, concerned. I think, I think it's a good, it's a good, it's a good body. It's I'm comfortable a, with that price. It's got a good feel in the hand. It feels premium. Yeah, I love it for taking for taking pictures. It's a great little picture box making I thing. Don't love it for making video. It's got oh. that weird wonky 4K crop though. Yeah. So if you if it's you're a f- video person, maybe it's got not. 4K crop and it has the worst codec on the planet. So if you want to record literally a minute of 4K video, it will take about 10 gigs of drive space. Well, this is a prime example of <laughs> Canon doing what they do best, and it's called market segmentation. <laughs> so, like, you know, when you're a company, a large conglomerate that has many product service offerings of varying scope and scale and dollar amount, you have to provide, you know, like a thing, a, a camera for each set on the market. So you have a bunch of like people that like, oh, I want a full frame, you know, weather sealed body that also kind of does video. It's like a hybrid type cam. Mm-hmm. And over the years, we, I mean, we saw it because the 5D2 is the one that changed the world. You know, like, yeah. oh my gosh, you can do video on one of those things now? Great, awesome. And then you had a bunch of people like building careers and becoming DPs with that camera. And then it was like, okay, well now we need like video options for it. So 5D3 came out, world was blown over again. And the 5D4. So, like, 
it shoots 4K. It's win. It's windowed. No, maybe it's cropped. I don't know. I don't know what the super cropped, spec is, I but they call it. Yeah. Um, but to your point, the codec is goo. Yeah. And they wanted to charge you a hundred bucks more to shoot C log. Right. No. That's yeah. yeah no. Yeah, thanks. That's the, that's Keep the, your hundred dollars. That's it. That's it. Well, it's because you know they want to inch you up to get that that sweet um, uh, C two hundred or or no the one DX buy the one DX or yeah the one DX Mark two. That's the one. Which is a, that's the one that also camera. shoots four K. <laughs> did we just did we just transition to the one DX two? Yeah, one DX Mark two. Yeah. Uh, love that camera. I do love that camera. I've shot that camera a handful of times. It's I I don't know. We talked. We were just talking about like pro pro style bodies right before we started recording. And like, there's very few things that are as satisfying to hold as a like a 1D or like the the Nikon D series, like the D single digit series. Yeah. Um, like they just feel really good in your hand. They're really beefy. They feel like they're tanks. They're indestructible. You could throw them against the wall and they would be completely fine. Um, you'd be ha- you'd be more worried about the wall than you would be about the camera. Yeah. Um, it's a giant hunk of metal. Yeah incredible and they're like the scent the what do you call it? the the mirror box is like rated to like a bajillion actuations i think that's actually what it says on the side of the box yeah i think it's literally text back one bajillion <laughs> um, but the yeah, same thing though they like for years people said that the video on that was exceptional and i think it was at the time but like it was quickly overshadowed by everything else that the canon makes no mm. i'll take a quick aside right here and there the rate at which all canyon camera manufacturers are releasing cameras is so fast that you can't even keep up with it anymore so to say that something is obsolete is kind of a bullshit statement nowadays because there's just not enough time man there's not there's not even enough time to like have a camera use it destroy it and then need to upgrade to the next one because the next one's already out i absolutely agree with that yeah yeah it's like it's like cell phones now Exactly. Like, just get something that's going to work and and hang on to it for a, a little bit. Um, but yeah, the that being said, though, and the 1DX2 has not been replaced yet. Um, that camera's been out for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Years. What's the, what's the megapixel count on that thing? 24-ish? See, 24 is like the, it's like the, it's a great number because, I mean, obviously it's got, like, the 1D bodies were always great for dynamic range and speed and all that. Well, I guess when they went to X, it became great for speed. Before it was like a 1D, then they had the S, which was like the qual- like the high resolution version. Yeah. Anyway, all that to say, I'm old. Um, but, you know, with those bodies, um, you know, it's it, they were always like technical marvels, right? Right. And I think like to have a body, I think when it came out, it was like $8,000 and it's 24 megapixels. Not so, even. It's twenty point two. Twenty point two. So like, yeah. and I think I mean that's a, I think that's a happy medium because like you can you can do a lot with twenty. Like if you're on the commercial side of things, mm-hmm. and I had to think I have to imagine the other reason they did that was if you're like a, a a photojournalist if you're PJ, right? And you have to deal with like sending stuff through the wire. Like you need things to be like high quality, but like not murder the poor Wi-Fi in the newsroom. Correct. <laughs> Yeah, it's I, I you know, I love that camera despite it being 20 megapixels because I I'm a megapixel whore. And the more the better and I don't like anything that's small. So, but but I did have a very soft place in my heart for that camera and because of its speed and its agility and its ability to focus on it seemed to read my mind. Yes. When I was like I want you to focus over here, it seemed to just know that yeah, I kind of put the dot in the right place, but it was like, "No, no. I got your back, Dave." We're focused. <laughs> Which was really interesting because, okay, so yeah, transition point, here we go. Um, because they had the 5DS and the 5DSR, mm-hmm. which were their high megapixel variations of the 5D body, which yeah. they came in at, what, 50-ish megapixels? 50s. Yeah, 50s. Or 50s um, and yeah. I've shot the five, I've shot both 5DS and 5DSR, and I think they're incredibly competent cameras, um, albeit a little bit noisy. Yeah. But I think that's just kind of the the trade off of having bigger photo sites. I think it's bigger photo sites. Yeah, bigger photo sites. Yeah, that's the technical term. That's um, <laughs> but like, it's crazy because like they 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 never made a one DXR. You know, like a a high. You know, they didn't throw the high density megapixel sensor into a one D body and say, right. "Hey, studio people who've been you know complaining, here you go." 
Yeah, I think the issue was always, well, I mean, th- first of all, that, that D series was, or that 1D series used to always be APS-C, right? Mm-hmm. Because well, they, yeah. couldn't, they, they just couldn't get the data through the pipeline fast enough. You know, and so then finally I did it with this and then, you know, but that, I don't know, like, can you jam 50 megapixels at 20 frames a second and still keep it under $6,000? No, probably not. There you go, Canon. Challenge. Challenge. (laughs) I mean, that's probably why mirrorless is where it's at right now, though. Like the idea that, you know, the, 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 the biggest, you know, hurdle to getting high frame rate is a flapping mirror box, right? Correct. And you got to build it to like withstand the rigors of the field for, you know, five years. And I like I will say this, if you're a photojournalist, I've had the luxury and the honor of shooting alongside some of you for certain things. You guys and girls are like hardcore badasses. Um, And like the way that you just like rifle through things is incredible. So, I mean, like, you know, I mean, most of the PJ folks I've run into, it's like, it ain't no thing for them to, you know, run off like 10,000 frames in an evening, you know, like mm-hmm. they'll, they'll go through it. Um, but they're good at it too. They know yeah. how to edit and they know how they've to looked at a lot of pictures. That's it. And they know how to call and they have like all these like little tricks to like completely pull themselves back in. Like they'll remember one frame out of the, you know, 300, they just blew through. That's going to be perfect. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, good on them. All I right. never understood the whole, like. Yeah, you know, I remember. I remember when the One DX came out. It was like, oh man, you can. What was it? Sixteen frames a second, I think. Um. And and even now, like even the new Sony A seven four, which is sixty one megapixels, it does ten frames a second, right? For a little bit. Yeah. But like, eventually you cross that that plane. You cross that plane of oh now I'm shooting twenty four frames a second. That's called fucking video. It's video. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. Like I kind of get. I kind of get bogged down and concerned with the idea that there's a lot of uh, new photographers that are buying ultra fast bodies and just taking a lot of pictures and then and then picking out the ones that are good as opposed to I don't know making a photo. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean we and we talked about this before. It's that whole you know having the patience to wait through and really think through your your art making before you go yeah. and make it. I think if you're like a photojournalist or if you shoot sports for a living, like obviously you know, 20 frames per second is what allows you to get the shot because you are literally totally. freezing a, a small, the smallest moment in time. So yeah. like that's part of the trade, right? But like if for guys like us where we spend a lot of time in an air conditioned box, like, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine firing 20 frames at, at, a, at a model and being like, I'll figure that one out later. You know, like, right. Right. Well, first of all, there's no strobe system that can, no, it would just keep it, up with that's it. That's not so. even possible. Yeah. You know, so then, then we go into a whole nother, but we won't go there. Yeah, we won't go there. Um, <laughs> which is good, though, because we mentioned mirrorless. So the EOS R um, line of Canon cameras, um, mm-hmm. which I've put my hands on once, and you've actually, you know, you have them in written reviews about them, so. Um, yeah, we've got some EOS Rs that we use for um, for video around here, and I've actually just recently shot photo on them. People love them, though. They, they, they look great. They say great things about them. I'm not going to say them, by the way. I'm going to say it. The it. EOS R People say great, great things about it. Because <laughs> um, the RP, I have other feelings about. But the EOS R, I think, is a stellar camera. And it's um, it does everything that it should do. It's just four years late to the game. Do you think it's like the 5D4? Like, it's the mirrorless 5D4, right? Yeah. In essence, I think the sensor's like a little bit better or processor. It's the same sensor, but better processor or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't... I, I'm kind of curious to see, this is a big topic, I'm kind of curious to see where the world goes in the next few years, because everybody keeps saying that, like, it's mirrorless, and that mirrors are, you know, for old people, and they're obsolete now, and um, I wonder, I wonder if the mirror box is going to go away entirely, because I, for one, still, no matter how many mirrorless cameras I shoot, and I shoot a lot of them, I still can't get used to looking at a little tiny TV screen in the viewfinder. I don't like it. As a guy that shoots mirrorless or primarily, like my primary rig is a mirrorless camera, uh, and it has been for quite a number of years now. But I still, I still rent when the job calls for. It, I still rent mirror box cameras, and I think, I don't know, I, I, I get what you're saying because there's like there's never like obviously you have refresh rates and resolutions that are really really high now, so it's it's almost it's really close. It's convincingly close, yeah. but 
to your point, it's not the same, right? Like there is something about a viewfinder that I, I mean, maybe that's just because I'm old and that's how I grew up learning. But like when I pick up like a 5D and I look through the, the you know, the viewfinder, there is something about composing in that frame that is satisfying to me, right? Like, and I, I mean, mm. and I will say this, there's one thing that I do definitely appreciate about mirror box cameras over mirrorless is when you're in a studio and you turn the house lights down, those viewfinders, those, uh, the, the electronic viewfinders, they get really challenging to work with at times mm. because like they, you know, they have to up the gain. So you end right, up, right. like, you can turn off the exposure preview, which like, like there's, that's one of the benefits of a, a EVF is you have that WYSIWYG. You can like, yeah. what you see is what you get. But when you turn off the lights, like that becomes a complete moot thing. Like if you're using strobes and you turn down house lights, you can't see anything. It becomes a pitch black frame. So if you turn yeah. off the WYSIWYG, okay, now the camera has to like amplify the gain and you basically see this really grainy, noisy, right. slow frames per second representation of what's in front of you. And it's I distracting. Think it is distracting. I think that that is the one moment where I've had where I'm like shooting mirrorless in a studio tethered to a computer. I'm like, this is, it's going to work. I'm going to, I mean, like that's what you do. You just work through it. You know your kit. But I do miss that about the mirror box cameras because you have a direct connection to what's happening in front of you. And that, that is, you can't really beat that. Sure. That's, that's my big downfall to it. I don't like that. I don't like the fact that I feel like I'm already looking at a picture when I look at a little EVF instead of like, Oh, I'm directly seeing the real world. And I know this is all in my head. So everybody can shut up right now. I know, I know that this is all stuck up here in, in Patino's head, but um, that's just how I feel about it. I feel like I'm already looking at a picture or I'm watching a video of what's happening in front of me, even though it is in real time and it is a very beautiful, articulate uh, rendition of what's happening. I think that's the other thing, though, is that like it already has some sort of secret sauce applied to it. So it already looks bright and clean and crisp and and th and I'm that's my disconnect. I'm like, well, where's the gritty shit that I'm looking at out of my left eye? Now, if you're if you're a chimper, then mm. then EVF is your like that is your dream come realize. That is the dream realized, right? Like totally. you never have to pull your face away from the camera ever again to to look at the back of the screen and see if you got it. Yeah. Because it li literally show you what you're doing while you're doing it. Yeah. Um I'm interested about to see about so my my whole quandary around EOS R and mirrorless for Canon is, you know, obviously they were they're not the first to the game. Quite honestly, they're the one of the latest to the game. But people rave about this camera and and the lens lineup, or, and what I've seen, what they've have on the roadmap, and what they're currently releasing, like these are expensive pieces of glass. Like yeah. they're they're putting serious cash into to R and D, and then obviously into promoting and marketing these things. So I think you know, as as vast as the EF lens mount system is, I'm super interested to see where this new R mount stuff, RF, R whatever it is, whatever this mount RF, stuff. Yeah. Um, wherever this stuff goes in the future and is there like a future in which ef lenses don't exist anymore and they don't get updated i mean like not to say that canon updates their glass at any regular clip i mean i think like the 85 1.2 was like 20 or 30 years old before they came out with a new one yeah um but to say like will it exist in the future you know i, I guess that depends if they stop making mirrored cameras as long as they're making a mirrored camera, they're going to have to keep putting out the EF lineup, right? I mean, that's... Or what? Are they going to, like, discontinue it and then come up with some sort of reverse, like, adapter that and takes you from you can buy your RF to... Hey, maybe that's EF? the that's the future of Canon's viability is it's all in adapters now. Who knows, man? It you, could be. You can buy your $400 Canon Metabone-style adapter, and you get to go. There, there are third-party lens makers that are putting out new lenses that are part of their selling point. Their talking points are, hey, this will natively work with adapters for Canon and Nikon cameras. I'll like That's like an actual talking point in their thing. Like, hey, this will natively work with the adapter. And it's like, it makes sense. You're like, okay, cool. At least I know it'll work with my system. But then you're like, native and adapter in the same <laughs> sentence don't. They cancel each other, right? <laughs> it's funny because like Sigma, I read that you're you're entirely right on this because I read um, Sigma has their art lens lineup, which like I've mm -hmm. shot a couple art lenses. They're beautiful pieces of glass. Sigma has come an incredibly long way from the days that I was like growing up and Sigma was like, people used to turn their nose up at it. Yeah. Um, 
but one of the one of the sell the selling points of the new Sigma R or the art lens style stuff is that you can buy it in one mount and then for a small fee you can send it to them and they'll remount it. Like they'll re like they'll change out the mount for your desired cameras. <laughs> interesting so like you bought an ef mount but like now you're on sony well we can change that to a sony e-mount and you just send us your lens and for like 200 bucks or whatever it's like i think it's like a it's a it's a sliding scale depending on the system i guess but right. for like a fee we will re re barrel the mount that's amazing which is incredible uh what a incredible which means like you your glass has life outside your camera body but then also weird because like now the whole idea of like changing camera systems becomes it's cheaper yeah right <laughs> so like gas Way cheaper gas people unite here you go this is your look at that so sigma actually has on their website an entire price list for re uh what do they call it for mount conversion services Boom. It's anywhere between a hundred and looks like 380 dollars to change a mount which is incredible like i mean i think that's awesome because like you can't you i mean obviously you can't re remount a canon lens yeah but if you bought that sigma 50 and you were like i love this piece of glass but now i have a sony body here you go you don't wow. have to you don't have to rebuy that lens or try to you know dump it that's pretty wild i mean that's that really tells you something there because that was i can't tell you how many times i've sat um with my wife who's also in production if you haven't heard already and literally sat here and said like well we've got like you know, we've got like 18 Canon lenses, so we can't just really jump ship. Yeah. Wherever we go, we should probably make sure there's an adapter or that, you know, I mean, like even when we went to Sony, we were at Sony for years, like three or four years, and we shot Canon glass because it wasn't worth it for me to sell those lenses. They were still great lenses. I couldn't get rid of them. We dealt with all the adapter issues, and eventually we got rid of Sony stuff because it was too much of a hassle, but... That's amazing that they'll do that. Now, granted, it's not cheap. No, um, but it's cheaper than buying new glass. Yeah, I mean, like they're you know you're talking about like their big three hundred like three hundred and eighty dollar charge is for like the eighty five one point four or the one thirty five one point eight. So it's like it's their higher price lenses. You've already spent probably fifteen hundred bucks on this lens. So for you to go out and spend another three eighty, yeah, that sucks. But better than selling that lens better for like a third it. of the price to keh no offense guys you guys are wonderful i love you guys and i buy your stuff all the time but yeah yeah they're used gear like that's what i mean i i i love buying used gear because there's a there's a an incredible savings to a person like me but also when i've had to sell gear there's an incredible loss right right um, and it used to be like whenever someone would ask like hey what camera system like do you use and what should i buy into like what should i what should i use and it was always like you know, well, you know, they're they're all different. You should try them out and see what you like best based on menus and body feel and all that stuff. But then ultimately, like what you really want to invest in is really good glass because when you buy, because the glasses will, the, the glass will stay with you as the bodies get better. That's what we said. Um, and now it's like, mm, well, I mean, I guess you can just buy whatever you want, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's cool. And I guess that's a big selling point for Sigma because, uh, you know, it was always Sigma, Tamron, and Tokina were the three. Um, you know, Tamron's still around. Sigma's, you know, doing a ton of stuff. Tokina, I'm not really sure. I don't, I don't want to say anything, but I don't think they're really pushing the envelope. I haven't heard of them doing a whole hell of a lot lately. If anyone from, um, from Tokina is listening, please prove us wrong. Send yeah, us hey, some kit. Yeah. I want to know what's going on over there. Yeah. Um, drop us a line. That's it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as far as the rest of it goes, that's just, a, it brings up a really interesting point as to where the market is going. First of all, there is no real used market anymore because like I said, that shit's coming out so fast that it's obsolete. No, you're right. You're right. Um, and yeah, and the amount of money that, you know, you're spending two grand on a system and you're selling it a year later for 800 bucks. Yeah. It's like, that's tough. <laughs> I mean, all, all the more reason why if you're going to buy something like literally use it until it falls apart um, or, or I mean, you know, keep it in good condition and use it until you die <laughs> yeah yeah and then pass it along to somebody who doesn't have a camera yeah there you go boom <laughs> done um now the eos rp the, which the is budget, the, the little the brother variant. yep the budget budget variant I, I heard a lot of people complain about this when it came out that it didn't have this and it didn't have that and it was lacking this and it was lacking that and like all i could think to say though. is no shit yeah, though it was like a thousand it's bucks. not right it's not supposed to have all that stuff this camera is like 
you know how you can tell what, what the camera is? When you turn it on and you put it to, uh, let's say, manual mode, on the back of the screen, it pops up with a little picture and it tells you what manual mode means. I love okay? those. That alone lets you know where they're marketing the camera to. I think it's a great camera. I think for 1200 bucks or whatever it was, I don't even know what it's going for now. Like for someone who's getting into photography or someone who's like looking to kind of step into mirrorless and they're not shooting professionally, they want to just have something small to travel with. That's a killer camera. The picture looks great. The video is pure shit on it. They took out all the video features, so don't buy it for that. Camera segmentation. But it looks awesome though, man. I mean, come on. It's a decent camera for a thousand bucks. I think that's the thing. People, I, I, I mean, I say people, myself included. I think it's tempering expectations with reality and that knowing that each camera, and we talked about the RP before, like it's a camera made for a certain segment. And if you don't understand its viability, then it's not meant for you, right? Like right. if you don't understand why this camera deserves to exist, then you're not the person that it was made made for. Like you're not supposed to buy it. You're not the key buyer. And that's okay. Uh, because their oh. Canon will be more than happy to make a little slice of Canon heaven just for you and charge you, you know, accordingly for it. Right. Um, you know, that kind of has the certain level of features and all that stuff that you want. And if you want to upgrade the video, then you need to step up to this camera. Or if you want to have more megapixels, you need to step up to this camera or whatever. So, yeah. Um, you know, EOS R, uh, I, I think it's super interesting. Uh, I like mirrorless. I'm a mirrorless person. I, I dig it. Um, I think it's an interesting move. I like to see where the R glass R&D is going because mm-hmm. uh, I've heard really great things about that. And like these lenses they're coming out with are not cheap. So clearly they want them to be pro level stuff. So that'll be very interesting in the next couple of years. Um, yeah. Same with Nikon. They're both they're both on the same say, kind of path now. So now you know, they're, they're both doing that thing. So we've talked about the EOS R. You've, you've handled the, the Nikon Z bodies. Um, I have not. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, are they in this, like you say, are they in the same boat? Yeah. I mean, Z6, Z7, I, I, I had the Z7 first. Yeah, I had the Z7 first. Um, I'm not a Nikon shooter. I never have been. Uh, so everything feels a little awkward for the first two weeks when I get one of those cameras. But it, it it's bottom line is like what what does the image look like? It looks gorgeous. <laughs> like it's not even I can't even fault it on on any level. It's I'm sure that it's people who are shooting Nikon are going to look at it and go like, oh, I don't like this aspect of it. Nobody's ever going to look at that camera and go, it's a piece of shit. Same thing with the Z6. The camera's like, I don't even know what the price point is on it, but I'm sure it's around where the RP is. Maybe. Um, you can't knock it for what it's delivering. And and also, by the way, let's keep in mind that this is, uh, I know they've both put out mirrorless cameras in the past, but this is really their first you know, push at mirrorless as a, a platform for Canon and Nikon, and I gotta say that they both did a killer job on it. They didn't, they didn't, you know, weed through the shit. I know that they had the the older little versions and the M ones and all that kind of stuff, but like the Nikon stuff looks good, man. The only thing I don't like, and this is again me being like weird in one way, is that they're doing a bunch of lens corrections in camera body. Okay, so they're they're correcting optical issues in the glass with software in the body part of me thinks that's amazing that's a really cool thing you can produce a cheaper uh lens because it's probably not as high quality but you can fix it with a piece of software so for instance like the 14 millimeter 14 to 30 they just put out um it's an f4 it when you look through the camera there's no bowing literally everything is perfectly straight and when you import it into lightroom it looks that way. It's perfectly straight. Everything looks amazing on it. Now, if you bring it into Capture One, you see the original picture without the profile applied, and it is curved, and it looks like a 14 millimeter. It looks like a regular 14 millimeter has for the last however many years. So, I don't know. Part of me is excited for that kind of like, what can we do with the software? And the other part of me is like, oh, why couldn't you just make really nice glass? But that's the trade. Computational photography, right? Like, yeah. it's the idea that, you, I mean, and I think it's, Man, this is like one of those where, you know, the technology gap is starting to find a way to close the the technical ability gap. Um, And I mean, to your point, like super interesting, kind of exciting, but also like, what are we, what are we truly missing out on here? Right? Like, yeah. um, What else are you fixing without me knowing? (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> right, exactly. Well, and I mean, like, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll even call, like, I'll, I'll call out Fuji on this too. Like for a, for a while, um, Fuji had this really aggressive, um, like, skin smoothing. So if you were to take a Fuji mirrorless camera and you were to shoot a person, um, they had this really aggressive skin smoothing algorithm that would go in and like, you know, it was almost like you face tune someone really in camera yeah and i mean and it was one of those where it was really aggressive in the jpegs and um i think like less aggressive in the raw like almost an undistinguishable in the raw but like enough where people were like it's kind of there they need to fix that and they did they issued a firmware and it, it tapered it, it took it down and oh really but it's one of those situations where like you know i think i mean and I don't, I don't, I think we almost related to like film stocks kind of did something similar. Like when you shot film and you had different film stocks or different film types, like some of them handled certain colors differently or skin tones better or whatever because of the emulsions in the film. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of like this new age of that. But I also wonder, you know, what if you don't want that, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, well, a perfect example. Zeiss put out the, actually, I don't even think it ever came out. Zeiss showed everybody the ZX1 last year which is a camera with lightroom built into it you can make all your changes while you're still on the shoot you can edit while you're on the shoot it's really bizarre to have a series of sliders i'm actually just looking right now it never came out it still says notify me when available on bnh well it's because you know why so that tells you something you'd have to get your you'd have to get your monthly subscription to creative cloud to make sure your camera stays (laughs) updated And then people would complain that like the Lightroom is not optimized for the camera, and because it's barely optimized for a Mac or a computer. So yeah, I I, I wonder what the deal was. I mean, I I, I saw it behind a, a glass case. I put my hand on the body for like a, a two seconds at uh, Photo Plus last year in October, and I was like, okay, I don't want I don't want Lightroom in my in my camera. Yeah, you know. And then and then subsequently, Phase One put you know Capture One into their backs. Uh, just a few months ago. Oh, really? Did with with the IQ four. Uh, now, it's not. There are no sliders. You can't edit your photos, but you can you can download and load in um, like profiles, profiles and stuff like that. Got it. Yeah, whatever. The, I can't remember what they call them, but um, so you know, like I get it, but like part of the process is capturing this and then doing this. Well, and I think if you merge the two of those, you get into a tricky territory. What's interesting, I think now, is you, you mentioned it a little bit earlier when you were talking about how all the cameras nowadays are so good. Um, like, they're all so good, and it's really hard to pick a loser here. Um, yeah. it, and even more so, I think, because, like, no one's really shooting, like, because I think JPEGs are, like, the fully baked, we use our Nikon color science or Canon color science, whatever. Um but now it's like everyone shoots raw and it's for the edit, you know? It's like you're going to you're going to you're going to underexpose by a, a third of a stop and you're going to push it in Lightroom or Capture One or yeah. whatever photo editor you use of choice and like you're going to throw a visco filter on it. So like <laughs> I, I don't I think there was like a video I saw of a guy's like, you know, I'm shooting the Sony A7 III and the Fuji thing with Bob and like can they can they come up and, you know, duke it out for color science and it's like at the end of the day like the output is so close to the same after you like start editing and tweaking to your liking to your style sure. so like eh, why split hairs you know um i agree i almost think nowadays it's like buy buy a camera system based on like if you like the menu like the menu layout if you like the ergonomics if it fits your budget um you know that yeah. that kind of stuff like shop for those things because the output on these things these cameras today is it's so darn good and Quite frankly, I think that all the cameras that have come out in the past year are like, they're far beyond most of our technical abilities. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I, I mean, yeah, I'll say, I'll stop it there. That's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So we talked about uh, Nikon. We talked about EOS R. Uh, okay. So mirrorless, we're in this kind of venue now. So Sony, um, the A7R three is a body that I messed with last year, and in me not being the biggest Sony guy in the world, um, beautiful. You hate Sony. I don't hate Sony. You loathe, I Sony. loathe Sony. Okay. So, <laughs> um, incredible output, beautiful sensor, great battery life for what it was. Um, did not like the menu system. Did not like the ergonomics. Did not like the um, what you might call it, the viewfinder. I thought it would. I thought it paled in comparison to the the Fuji offering. Um, mm-hmm. so like I ended up having to use like 
the screen as my viewfinder and it was like a waist level thing which is fine oh. i mean like I, I i just don't like to be that guy you know like when i if i can help it right. i don't like to be the guy that looks like a tourist you know on set right. so um but beautiful <laughs> vials really pretty glass the very expensive stuff um the a7 so, r4 is out now so i mean you could probably get an r3 I, for real cheap probably and the the sony glass was always um was always an issue for people, you know, when people say like, oh, Sony's putting out really nice cameras, they go like, yeah, but there's not enough glass. Or like, there's not enough pro-level glass. And and Sony has crushed that in the last two years. Oh my gosh, There's yeah. so much pro-level glass and so much shit that you can't even afford coming out of Sony. <laughs> um, and really beautiful looking stuff. And it's like, you know, I, I think as a, a there, it's not even a question of, are they a viable contender in the market anymore? No. They've they've chosen or not chosen. They've put themselves in the forefront of everything. Absolutely. And so, yeah, you know, while while Canon and Nikon were still making DSLRs, they were already really busy making mirrorless and pushing that kind of whole. You know, I actually it's funny every time I see Sony put out a mirrored camera, I'm always like, why'd they do that? Yeah, what, what was that all about? What what was that all about, guys? You have to think that there's an is that just for fun? There's an R and D T R and D team somewhere in Sony, like in like the basement and they're like we're making mirror box yeah. cameras still we're making a bodies yeah and nobody knows about them upstairs they forgot I'm about like, them. oh you guys are still here <laughs> hey we're gonna have to move you down to the storage locker if you could move some papers around that'd be great oh man um, i mean like, yeah i agree with you i think sony is incredibly they're crushing the game they really are they the for better or worse i think that like obviously what at the frequency at which they put new new kit out it's like it's almost soul crushing if you're in the system like to think oh i just yeah. bought this like if you just bought an a a7r3 and the four comes out and you're just past that return window i'm so sorry like yeah that's uh, that's a bummer i mean not to say that your camera's not good anymore because it's incredible it's an incredible piece of kit and it's gonna like i know i know photographers that 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 print money with that camera um sure so i mean it's not it's it's a great system but like i think there's a, there's always a bit of you that would like be like ouch that kind of hurts a little bit um yeah and they they Agreed. their glass is fantastic it's in, it's incredibly expensive um but it's very beautiful um but yeah i just i don't know i think overall usability was just wasn't there for me and i think that's just different strokes different folks um because i think cause like you hate sony oh, yeah okay <laughs> sony i love you guys you guys are great don't don't <laughs> blame me um so that that's my sony my sony bit um I love Sony's, by the way. I love them. I know you used to have them. You used to carry them in your kit. I know. Yeah, I mean they're yeah. great. They I think well, they're in, great. in what half the sensors and like all of Nikon stuff is practically Sony sensors. So, yeah, no, I mean th Sony makes so much gear and sells it to other people. It's not even funny. Yeah, absolutely. Sony's are it's, 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 so so deep into your life. They're so ingrained into your life. You don't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Um, let's round out the uh, the mirrorless groups here, and I'll throw out the ones that I've touched. Uh, the Fuji XH1, um, fantastic camera. It was really expensive when it first came out, a little overpriced, and now you can buy them on fire sale. Um, so if you're looking for a yeah. super competent, like incredible, quiet, I quiet mirrorless, seriously with, quiet. with IBIS with internal body stabilization, yeah. like get yourself an XH1. It's an incredibly competent still camera, um, and you can buy them for like like it's it's criminal if i bought an xh1 at, at retail when it first came out i would be so irritated right now um <laughs> it, it was just a camera that came too soon for what it what it does anyway it was quickly overshadowed by the xt3 which is fantastic i have one i love it um yada yada, yada fuji fanboy and they're then, under a thousand dollars now they that's what i'm saying the xh1 you can buy that camera like you can buy that with their pro like their 24 to 70 style variant for like fifteen hundred dollars and it comes with two batteries and a, and a vertical grip and this beautiful piece of glass what? like if you want to get into the game and you don't want to spend any money at all i mean and i say that any money at all meaning like a substantial amount of money just less than most people then that's yeah. a great system to get into because you can get basically everything you need to get shooting for less than you would spend on a body on like a Sony or a Canon or whatever, insert other camera maker here. Um, so, I mean, that's a fantastic Crazy. deal. Um, you know, all that good stuff. It's a great camera. It feels great in the hand. It has a bigger grip, which I really liked. Um, all that stuff. Um, and it's Fuji. Fuji like actually likes photographers and wants to help them out. Except for, so. the, <laughs> except for the people that bought the XH1 at retail. Yeah, they pretty much right. they like their they like their people. I mean, they have the <laughs> the the software or the firmware updates, which are really great. Um, they 
they actively track like comments about stuff that's buggy and they try to fix it and so that's good um the xh1 was great it was quickly overshadowed by the xt3 which has a slightly newer sensor and way better video well not way better just uh, a pinch better video so if you do any kind of hybrid video slash photo shooting that's the fuji camera you should get it's fantastic i have one i love it to death yada 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 incredible video options codecs um etc etc for not a lot of money like if you're a person that shoots video but you like to have a good like a really competent still camera that's the body to buy mm -hmm. um and the question since you're such a fuji nut because you'll know this yeah. it, i keep hearing the, so the xt3 which is beautiful obviously and the xt30 which is also beautiful same sensor or different sensor uh oof. i do you I, know? oof i don't know um i'm gonna say no i i think i'm gonna say no um because the somebody i can't wait for somebody to tell you how wrong yeah they probably i probably am wrong uh but the <laughs> xt well in the xt30 is like i th you know what i'm let me just go let me just go I'm, i think it is the same sensor but with fewer pro level features it's options, right? That, yeah. Because like I know it's not like the XT30 isn't weather sealed. No, correct. And so the, the XT3 the is. The XT30 is like, it's at, it, okay, so XT3 is to EOS R as XT30 is to ES, EOS RP. Hmm. Makes sense? All right, I yeah, got so you. So like it's a bitching camera for less money, but it's also not made for you people that like pro stuff. So like. Totally. If you're like, oh, I want to get into all these pro level stuff, then it's not the camera for you. If you gotcha. are like. Um, if you want a travel camera, if you like a, like, if you are looking for a really good vacation camera, like a solid mm -hmm. one that will grow with you and you like mirrorless and you don't want to spend the, you don't want to spend all the money in the world, but you want to be able to use different lenses when it, you know, when you feel fancy, that's a great camera to do it. Um, or if you're an influencer, if you're an influencer marketing and you run your own thing and you take your own pictures, um, that's a really capable camera because it has, it has really good video features, just not all the all the firepower that the uh, all the bells and whistles right yeah. right so like if you're if you're one of those folks that like runs your own social and you like want to be able to do like really competent pictures and also like pretty killer video and you don't want to spend a ton of money for it it's a great camera um so investigate that one right on uh okay and then the last fuji thing and then i will i will shut up is the gfx 50s the old body one not the rangefinder one um i i read that thing like twice a year for big job big jobs when they come out I love it. It's fantastic. Um, just enough megapixels to make a difference. Um, body handling's great. Uh, our our buddy Dan Ryan shoots one for for his architecture stuff. Although he does have his gripes, which are completely say, valid. I, I wonder if he upgraded yet. Should Dan, if you're listening, get that get that hundred, buddy, and then let me click buy it, your fifty. Click it, Dan. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a credible credible camera. It does amazing things. Um, and yeah. That's Fuji. That's what I got on the Fuji front. Okay. Um, let's see. What else? Let's. You want to talk lenses? What other fun stuff? Sure. You shot the Otis 100. I did. Should we Let all? The hate begin. Should we all like, you know, get second mortgages on our homes and buy one? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> you should. If you if you don't mind carrying uh, debt, or if you have five thousand dollars lying around, go buy a hundred millimeter lens, man. It's amazing. It really is a beautiful lens. I remember this was years ago. I shot the Otis 85. One of the first reviews I ever did for PDN. And and I remember thinking to myself, like, this is big. It's heavy. It's it's manual focus. It's everything I don't believe in at the time. Um, but goddamn, the 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 literally the picture that comes out of the lens is looks different. I remember thinking like, wow, I always hear about people talk about like contrast in lenses. I had never seen it until I shot the Otis 85 and I noticed it again on the Otis 100. It literally does something optically and shoots it back the back end towards the sensor. It's gorgeous. It really is. And like, I'm sorry, I know it's five grand and I no, I wouldn't probably pony up five grand for one. Um, but man, is it cool looking, you know? And like, Good luck carrying it for a day because it's not going to happen. It weighs like 82 pounds. So um, it's a beautiful lens, though. That's bottom line. I, you know? I always look at the Zeiss, like the Otis options, like the their lineup on that. And I think, wow, that's incredible. That's like a technological feat. But also like there's a there's just a little bit. I don't know. I say this with with all the love in the world, Zeiss fans and Zeiss as a whole, like there's a little bit of pretentiousness around that. Right. Like when you when you describe something with like it has the yeah. right amount of micro contrast. Yeah. Like, okay. 
Oh, you mean shit that nobody can notice? Cool. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Secret. So- there's magic pixie dust spread between the elements. You know, like there's always yeah. that element. Like I kind of like roll my eyes a little bit, and I mean, like I've I've shot a uh, I shot an Otis fifty, um, mm-hmm. and you are when you say like when you say that it does marvelous things like they i don't know what they do i don't know if they coat that glass in i don't know angel tears or something because it is it yeah. is quite fantastic <laughs> but there is a certain level of like part of me that's like oh my gosh i'm this guy right now because i'm gonna say like oh you can see specific details in the micro contrast and the bouquet is like a special type of variety that you cannot get because they have so many aperture blades that are you know just delicately placed so yeah it actually comes with a guy that places each aperture blade for every photo that you take. There's a guy next to you, and he just he goes in and tweaks it with a small screwdriver. So basically, it's a lens with a hype. It's a lens with a hype man, right? Yeah, like totally. When you order a yeah. when you order Otis 100, like you get two boxes. You get like a box yeah. with the lens, and then you get like a box. There's like a dude, and he's like, "Hey, man, I'm your Otis hype man." And every time you, sh- anytime you roll up the set, I'm gonna like totally hype you up. Like, oh no, he's pulling out the Otis. It means things are about to get real. <laughs> oh, micro contrast. Micro contrast about to get unreal up in here. Uh, that then I would buy it. <laughs> totally worth it then, right? <laughs> um, Zeiss is one of those things, though. It's 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 one of those companies that puts so much effort into every little tiny thing. Um, and if you pay attention, you will notice it. I'll say it that way because if you ever hold a uh, $500 kit lens, right, you will complain about, oh, this kind of wobbles a little bit and this button is a little weird and the lens hood just falls off at will. And I mean, like you, you, you notice all those things. And when you pick up a Zeiss Otis, you notice that everything has been perfectly machined to fit properly and feel good and not fall apart. And you know, uh, yeah, there's something to be said for that. And so, again, like I say, for all big ticket items, if you got the the money and you don't mind it, hell yeah, buy it. Welcome if you got them. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I'll jump in real quick because there was also uh, talking about expensive, more expensive lenses. Hasselblad sent the XCD135, which was a um, for their X1D series. Uh, it was their big new 135, and it is really cool. It actually works very well and is uh, produces a really stunning image. Um, I'm not a big fan of the original X1D, so you got to kind of separate the lens from what the sensor is doing. But um, it's really nice. The downfall to it is that it they they sell it with a teleconverter, and that teleconverter only works for that lens. Will not work on any other Hasselblad X series lens. And it basically takes everything that the lens does and destroys it in the process. It literally slows down all of the focus. Like there were shots I couldn't even focus on. It was so slow. But I got I got 1.5 or 2.0, whatever it was. I don't even know what the hell. I was so frustrated. I literally probably shot like 10 pictures with it. I was in the middle of a session, pulled off the teleconverter and was like, no, no, no. I'm just going back to shooting this thing straight. Only Hasselblad would gimp their own stuff, right? Like... <laughs> Like, they literally put out a teleconverter, and they were like, oh, but it's only good for this one lens. Cool. That's a lot, Such a Hasselblad thing to do. That's a- <laughs> like, hey, this is magnificent, but the use case is, like, nil. Yeah. But you can say you have it. Pretty camera, though. Yeah, I Still mean, like I, yeah. <laughs> I, mean I, I believe it. Um, and now you can get one for, like, half price, right? X1Ds are cheap now, or the X1D2. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it, it is amazing that they were, they man, like, it's it's the same camera, better processor. It's like an iPhone S. Like, it's like this. Yeah, for half the price. For half the price. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a different strategy, because it's like, you know, Fuji was like, no, 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 no. What we're going to do is we're going to make, we're going to double the resolution, and we're going to double the price. And yeah. Hasselblad's like, how about we just keep everything the same and we ask for half as much money? <laughs> so, like, I, I have to applaud them for that. I think that's a great move um, because it it's lowering the price threshold to medium format, which I think, you know, is an incredible, incredible feat of, of what's the word I'm looking for, um, of sourcing and, you know, supply chain. What you, mean, mm. what you mean to say is, thanks, DJI. Thanks, DJI. I appreciate you. Um <laughs> Speaking of DJI, the uh, let's go into um, let's go into video cameras really quick. I'll start with the ones that okay. have propellers. Uh, Mavic Pro Two, fantastic piece <laughs> of kit. If you don't have one, 
um, and you have any kind of use for Arial, uh, it's fantastic. I, I, I think about the I think about the Mavic Pro 2 as not as a video camera, like not as a cinema video type of thing. I think of it mm-hmm. as a still camera that I can put 40 feet in the air or 100 feet in the air. And I think that right there is what makes it a very interesting purchase if you are thinking for your kit, for adding something to your kit. Yeah, that is a sweet little it's camera. Like it's, it's an incredibly capable camera that you can hoist up into the air without a cherry picker. <laughs> and I think that that unlocks a lot of different possibilities if you're a, a stills person yeah and so you have the mavic uh, pro, 2 pro pro 2 thing with the hasselblady you know it's, it's a it's a, a couple it's not what? the zoom one no, not, you don't not have the that zoom one, right? one. That, okay I, I i was i was brute force on the i need resolution i was like dave patino move i needed mega pickles yeah definitely um, yeah. but like it's it's like you shoot that thing in raw and it's incredible like there's incredible bandwidth in the images um i've done some some commercial architecture with it and it's fantastic and i think about it like just like i said it's a camera that i can hoist 50 feet into the air without having to like leave the ground and i think that's yeah. what makes it very powerful um the video stuff is and incredible all, too but i was gonna say and and the technology in the actual flying part of it is pretty stellar. it's incredible I mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> absolutely it's like it is it is the learning curve is so very short um obviously it won't it won't fix stupid so you got to kind of check yourself when you boot it up but um i think that you know it's an incredible piece of kit um i i do think that you know there's a certain a, a there's a certain bit of responsibility that i think if all of us, us photographers are going to start taking to the the skies we should probably be really good stewards of that, you know, just so it is like a good thing doesn't go bad. Um, right. You know, because like, gosh, what, can you imagine if like we can be, if we end up being like Canada where it's way too. <laughs> I was just going to say, what if we're like, Canada? no, then that, then that will ruin it for everybody. So like, if you have a drone, if you have a Mavic or any kind of aerial, you know, flying camera type of situation, please don't be dumb. Please be smart yeah. about it. Please be respectful of people and their privacy and safety and all that good stuff. And, um, because like it only takes a handful of us to really ruin a good thing, so let's not do that. Let's try our best. Um, yeah. Anyway, love it. Um, yeah, thoughts? Uh, yeah, we've got one. It's amazing. Um, I actually when they when they came out with the the Mavic Two Zoom, I thought to myself, well, that's a waste. If you want to get closer, fly closer, right? It's like the it's um, your feet. Use your feet. I don't know. Yeah, like. <laughs> but but that being said. Uh, we have one here and I see great uses for it. It's actually very, very cool, um, for when you're flying in tighter spaces and when you're navigating multiple buildings and things like that, to be able to punch in and come back out. And I don't know, man, it's, it's, they, they did a really good job. They did a really, really good job on both of them. And, um, despite the fact that I, and I, it wasn't just me. I know a lot of people who were like, that's stupid to have a zoom camera. Like you've got you got this movement back and forth, but um, yeah, both of them are like really beautifully designed. I love the new controller, the smart controller yeah. with the TV built mm-hmm. in. That's amazing. The brightness is insane the, on that thing, right? And the worst thing that you can do when you're flying your drone is to like look at your text messages that just came in. So it's funny because you know, I, and that's what you had to do before. I had yeah, I've had both. I have the pro controller now, and I had I used to use my phone before, and it was like, oh, I got a text, and you like you try to swipe it away, but instead of swiping, you like tap it, and it's like, oh crap! Now there's like a literally a thing up in the air that has spinning blades and can fall from the sky. And my phone is now looking at a text message from like my mom and yeah. it's like, all right, something's not right here. I, I feel very uncomfortable all of a sudden. So <laughs> the pro controller is fantastic in a sense that like, I, I think that not having to use your phone is a miracle. It's fantastic. Totally. And then the brightness of the screen alone is just worth the price of admission. Like if you do this at any like real, like if you do this at any kind of, I don't know. I feel like you don't have to really have a reason for that. It just makes more sense. It's like, it's just, if you got 600 bucks laying Yeah. Around. I mean, it's a great, it's a great investment. If you do any kind of droning at any kind of regular frequency and you like to be able to see stuff in the sun. Um, so yeah, cool. All right. Uh, air, air cameras Love covered it. now vi- movies. Cause we start talking about video. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll just flash through this cause we are, we are Rob, we are coming up on time. Um, a bunch of black magic stuff. Ursa mini pro, um, the pocket 4k, um, and I, I yeah, Ursa Mini Pro is fantastic. They're beautiful cameras. Beautiful. Too many buttons. 
a lot right. of buttons. If if that's your if like so if you're that person, like if you play in that space and the buttons are like a godsend to you, they're like incredible and you're so happy about them. Um, yeah. Buttons, they kind of scare me a little bit. Uh, it's a lot of stuff going on. Um, they, I, I did a, a, a like a quick um, phone call with with um, uh, with with the crew over there before they shipped me one of those cameras and. The guy who was giving me the rundown, who was, I can't remember his name, super nice, um, was, he had come from the old broadcast world. And by old, I mean, like, he had been doing this for like 40 years. And so his, he was one of those guys who was like, yeah, everything should have a button. I mean, it and makes I was like, sense. I get, I get it. it. Yeah. I get it. But when you grab that camera, you can't grab it without touching a button. There's literally, it's littered. There, there is no smart side and dumb side. That thing is littered with buttons everywhere. And that, to me, screams danger. Spoken like a true running gun video man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, I yes, I, I totally agree with you on this, that there is a lot of buttons, and it's very hard to move that camera um, without gingerly, like, you, you have to be very gingerly, because you're going to hit a button. And I think, I mean, obviously the reason is because, like, it's going to be, and 98% of the use cases for that camera, it's going to be, like, rigged up to a thing, and there's going to be like a DP and an AC and like they're going to have different jobs where they all touch different buttons on that one particular camera. And it's like not not so-and-so's job to press that. So you got to wait for so-and-so else to come to do that. And so it's a very purpose-driven machine. And I get that. It makes total sense. And like once you have it all rigged up with wires and cables, like y- you don't want to have to dig through a menu 15 menus deep to get right. to something. You totally. want to just like mash a button and hit go. So I get that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's got a lot of buttons um pocket 4k picture is cool though i still like all this stuff haven't so i haven't played with this one yet the pocket 4k uh, you did though right oh my gosh it's i i think it is so a good a good buddy of mine he uh he has a pocket 4k and he has been he's been kind of itching for the pocket 6k that just got released um I, it's funny because like i i remember the day it came out and i i sent him the link he's like oh my gosh it's like i've been watching this about about this camera and he thought about buying it didn't buy it and then it instantly went out of sale are out of stock which it will remain out of stock for the next i don't know six months to a year whatever um but like his 4k is an incredibly capable camera it's amazing what that little that little camera can do the codec support is fantastic um the band like the the bit rates are incredible the quality dynamic rate, all that good stuff all this nerdy stuff that we talk about it's it's off the charts and i think Hmm. when you think about the price per quality ratio right like it's one of those where you spend not a lot of money and you get a lot of features. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, I think all those cameras are, ever since the first one, that first pocket cinema camera, they they had a really great idea. They're getting better at executing it. And I think that Blackmagic as a whole will just continue to get better, if that makes sense. Um and the, the, the new 6K is uh, an EF mount, right? Yeah, so the 6K is an EF mount, um, which I think they probably did that just because, like, it's a Super 35 sensor, so the sensor's a little bit bigger. Like, the 4K is micro four-thirds, which means you automatically hate it. Um, the, this one's Super 35. The 6K is Super 35. And I think, in, and I mean, I don't, I'm not an engineer from Blackmagic. I have no idea. I have zero insight into that. But my only thought is perhaps they made... Um, they perhaps they made it an EF mount because most people that have the current 4K pocket, they use Metabones style adapters to use EF mount glass. So, I mean, they probably figured, well, bigger sensor, we have more stuff. We should just put an EF mount on it. And yeah, I get it. I mean, I, I think the, the, what, the weird part is I think now that it's starting to like make its way into the hands of the people that use those cameras for a living, they're like, well, you know, we have these adapters that, that like they're focal reducers. So they like, they undo the crop factor of a smaller sensor. Yeah. 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 So what they end up doing is like, it's like the EF, like a, a micro four thirds with a, with a speed booster gives me closer to full frame v- field of view than the EF mount would now. Mm. And I can't, reduce the focal i can't reduce the field of view on it because it's already ef mount right let me uh, did I, I say so. that properly <laughs> yeah so it's like okay well you know that's kind of a bummer um because i think like the 6k 
it has there's I think there's inherently a crop with that size sensor on the EF mount natively. So you don't get full field of view out of an EF mount lens. Oh. Which I think is always the well, struggle. Right. But yeah, that's because it, it's super thirty five, right? Right. So right, super exactly. thirty five so is always a one point three. That's just the yeah. deal. So there's going to be you're going to lose a little bit on it, which I think the people like if you have a 4K with a with a speed booster, your your chief complaint is like, oh well, now instead of using my speed booster, which got me like an almost full frame, like you know, might as well just yeah. call it full frame for all intents and purposes, it's full frame. Now I, if I want to upgrade to 6K, I have to be cropped in. So like, right. you lose it. I think which. <sighs> There's always uh, yeah I, crop I factor is like such a, a a a thing that's been happening for the last like fifteen years, twenty years I guess. Um, that that's like such an issue with people. People talk about crop factor, but like if you go back through the stages, like uh, you know, I mean, you look at like eight by ten, four by five, one twenty, thirty five. Like they all they all render lenses differently. They all render the field of view differently, right? And so yeah. mm-hmm. I don't think that any one is better or worse than the other um like yes if you're trying to do a lot of really wide landscape stuff no micro four thirds is not going to be for you with an adapted ef lens but you know understand that like 90 percent of hollywood has been shooting on super 35 cameras for the last however many years and like that's just what it is like that's got a yeah it has a 1.3 nobody talks about it bad yeah and when they shoot at focal lengths higher than 85 Like nobody shoots well, not nobody, unless you're like the Cohen brothers, but like <laughs> like very rarely are movies shot at thirty-five millimeter, right? Like they're always shot at like one thirty-five or two hundred or eighty five. Like they're shot at longer focal lengths, so you get compression. Um, you know, that's just and and obviously you want to be far away from your actors to kind of give them room to do what they do best. So I don't know, like I get it. So my buddy, the one with the four K, like he's also he's in this camp where like he wants the resolution and he wants like he wants to go like black magic raw, but um he's also very, very happy with this four K and the fact that like, you know, he can outfit his kit with a couple of micro four thirds lenses that have incredible depth of field control. Like if you're trying to keep a subject in right. focus, like that's where the narrow like the the narrow depth of field is actually quite helpful. Um, they're super light. He doesn't have to break his back to carry the same amount of kit. And like you can uh, inevitably rig that up on stabilizers and all that stuff without having to like worry about counterbalancing large yeah. heavy things. So like, I don't know. I think, you know, it's it's something that every person, it's the whole, you have to ask yourself the question if you're going to find it useful and if the type of stuff that you shoot and the type of content that you create is going to benefit from having it. Um, I think the bigger question that I've like thrown out there is that because the 6K can, at the current time of this recording can only record 6K in RAW, like the Blackmagic RAW format, which means you have to use DaVinci Resolve to like edit and all that stuff. Um, or you can like, I guess, use DaVinci Resolve to export it as something else, but like that kind of defeats the purpose. Anyway, um, and then like to think about how much space 6K RAW footage would oh, take. Oh, especially coming from Blackmagic you know, because they... Yeah, oh. and so like, I, I just I, I have a hard time thinking I mean and this isn't me saying speaking out of my butt but like I don't think there's that many people that truly require 6k raw video to do their jobs well like it buys you options and it buys you flexibility and it buys you the ability to like I guess future proof mm-hmm. your stuff if that's ever anything in our world but I mean I don't know like if you couldn't do it with 4K, is the extra 2K really going to help you? I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I. I. I just. I can't imagine. You know, like if you're a YouTuber, and you make your your living off of YouTube, I. I don't think that having a 6K camera is truly going to make your content any better. Like I think that you know if you're worth your if you're worth your your views or your you know your subscribe count, like you're making great content no matter what kind of camera you have. Um, by your ability to tell yeah. a story, not your ability to say, I have a 6K picture that you're looking at here on your cell phone. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. Um, and then like the, you know, the inherent, the, 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 the amount of technology that you have to have to use 6K, you have to get, you know, a more beefier yeah. computer. You have to have storage out the yang for it. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's, a, it's a escalating a lot of things that not everybody is, I think, ready for. Like if you're a filmmaker, and you make, you know, you you make films and you make high end work, and your clients demand to have all the resolution in the world, or you do a lot of like green screen keying or motion tracking or whatever. Then yeah, sure, absolutely, shoot shoot right. raw, six K, have all the Ks. Yes. 
you know, like <laughs> it's a lot of K's. Um, but yeah, nobody has ever, no client but, is ever going to come to you and say, "Hey, make sure you do this in 8K." Yeah, you know, like so I don't rare. think the people at like. I don't think like the the you know the BuzzFeed people are like oh man our bu- our our listicle videos are gonna get so much better if we no. have six K it's like unless you're uh, what's not. his name Marquez Marquez Brownlee he's a yeah, he shoots eight K for his AK YouTube channel but 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 AK. I've seen multiple interviews with him where he has said I just do it because I like it like yeah and that's you know I know that he's literally crushing everything back down to four K or whatever I mean for a while he was crushing it back down to ten eighty but he, you know it was just like. I do this because I like it and and that's all there is to it. And I think that that's, you know, going back to all of this shit that we just talked about, like if you're going to buy a camera, it better be for you and what you believe in at that moment and what you think you need to do with it. And if you're buying it because somebody else told you that it does great pictures in broad sunlight, no, it doesn't. It's just that that guy knew what he was doing and so hopefully you do too. All the cameras are so competent now and they're all so capable that like the the biggest limitation is you, right? You as Always. a creator. Thanks so, for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, and I mean, you know, I think to your point, it's like buy whatever you want because it's like you got to, you like to, you have to want to use the tools. I think that's the other part, yeah. right? Like if you want, if you need to shoot 8K Red Raw, feel good about what you're shooting then if you have the means by all means go for it have go gangbusters keep ready yeah. business they'll they would love to sell you a camera um you know because the end of the day it's like you know how many years do you have to live to you know do this like if it makes you happier to shoot it on a on a fancy thing then do oh, yeah. it. um all right wow that was just about every camera we've touched in the past 12 almost. months almost i won't i won't i won't Kinda. uh i won't force you into the rest of them <laughs> um so yeah i hope you gearheads i hope everyone got their fill because uh uh, this is pretty much all i got (laughs) says says the guy who owns the same cameras had for the last four years three years that's it Uh, we'll see two years two well uh, they're on they're on different time schedules it's a it's a different amortization schedule via my accountant Um, that's going to do it for episode 20 of office hours. We very much appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much for bearing with us while we did our little summer vacation. And, uh, yeah, welcome back to the fray. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please, uh, let us know, uh, drop us a note, um, slide into our DMS and, uh, give us a like and comment on the podcast via Apple podcast. Cause that's the one that takes it right now. Uh, and if you enjoyed this, share it with a friend, uh, we're, we're growing the network. So by all means spread yeah, the word, please. And uh, until then, we will uh, see you guys in the next one. Peace. Peace.